Driving? No purchase necessary. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Radio Free Radio Radio Free Urbanism. Hello and welcome back to Radio Free Urbanism, your favorite podcast about about urbanism stuff that gets interrupted. Yeah, that gets interrupted. I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna say up front, we we have some news that we really like. This is important. We need to share with everyone. Uh, this is the last episode of Radio Free Urbanism in the single digits. Next week is our 10th episode. So celebrate with us by uh, buying yourself a stuffed animal, squeezing it tight and saying, I love trains. Um, thank you, Ethan, for demonstrating to the audience what that looks like. And uh, yeah, it's like it's like the flight attendants, you know, you got to you got the you got the buckle, you know, fasten the seatbelt, you know, oxygen mask. Yeah, you got to demonstrate, right? Uh, but of course I'm Alex Williams. I'm one of your hosts. And of course we've got Ethan Myers. Hello everybody. And Nick Laporte. Hello and welcome back. So Nick, to start us off, would you like to fill us in on your, uh, your bicycle tow truck experience? Yes. I need to, to update on this. So last week at the beginning of the episode, I talked about getting a flat tire on my mountain bike. In fact, um, I'm going to share it here on the screen. So those, so those you can see this bike that I've had for quite a long time. In fact, I think I bought this bike about a decade ago. It's a Trek mountain bike that uh, I love dearly. And I got a flat tire on the front and I, I had to, you know, take it home on the bus, my bus tow truck, which was very, very handy. It was very happy to have, but it, it had a revelation of sorts in that I was like, why, why am I still riding this mountain bike. I've lived in Vancouver for almost seven years now. Hmm. And this mountain bike rarely sees trails. It's been on the mountains once here in Van North Vancouver, one time. I was like, why don't I have a different bike? I can buy a different bike. So that's what I did. I bought a new bike and I'm very excited to share with everybody that I got a new bike. And it's just like, it's already changed my life. Like I've really? been so like, <sighs> let's, just like, have you ever ridden a mountain bike and then immediately gone to a road bike? I didn't get a road bike, but like, have you felt the difference riding no. on a flat surface? It's incredible how much speed you can get, how quickly you can get up to speed on a road bike. So there's much a reason less why. <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, there's a reason why they're made that way, right? They just they just work better on the road. Anyway, I got a new bike, and uh, here it is. Oh, I love it. No, I'm just oh, kidding. I'm sorry. No. I didn't get this. This is an Oma Feats. <laughs> you should have. And this is what people thought I would get, of no course. Dutch style. Yeah, you getting all into this urban stuff. not getting that, Nick. I imported from the Netherlands a Dutch. People would look at you in North America and be like, nice beach bike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, this is a great bike. That's pretty cool. Uh, that's it not it. No, I got this bike. It's a Da Vinci oh, Milano. It's just like a just like a city type of bike. It's It's got a relatively normal geometry, not too dissimilar from my mountain bike already, but it's got a solid front fork, much thinner tires, much lighter, and very important for, for Vancouver is it has actual fenders so the rain isn't spraying up in my face. So that's yeah. awesome. I just took this, took this picture about uh, an hour ago on my way home from work today, which is like the first time in January I've ever ridden my bike to work, which was mm. actually totally fine. It was awesome. You know, because if you had maybe seen my recent video, I talked about why I have an electric scooter. I talked about not wanting to ride my bike in the crappy weather, but I did it today and it was, it was fine. It was actually fun, especially coming home. It was great, which was awesome. And this, uh, I was taking this picture and like the nicest people were just walking by. This is on the, the Arbutus Greenway. Just like I saying congratulations. And I was like, they didn't even know what it was about, but they were just so nice. And this lady came and helped me take a photo of me. It was not the greatest <laughs> photo, but she did of me holding up my bike. She did her best. <laughs> she tried and I appreciated that. She's a big fan of roads, I see. Yeah. Big fan um, of that asphalt. Yeah. And uh, the, the cool thing is that I didn't, I had no idea what the bike market was like. I knew that during COVID, it got really bad. Things got mm. really expensive all across the board when you wanted to buy a bike. It was absolutely insane. But I literally went and looked for a bike in the same day I purchased the bike because the price was so reasonable. This bike was under a thousand dollars. It's all aluminum, hydraulic disc brakes, all the bells and whistles you'd want from like a solid bike that's going to last a long time. So I was very, very happy with that. Yeah. And if you're looking yeah. at getting a bike, take a look, even e-bikes. I think I'm not going to say name companies here, unless you pay us, you know who you are. You start advertising, we'll start name dropping you, but certain e-bike companies have recently 
reduce their prices as well. So if that's something you're into, go check it out. Yeah, that's sweet. Uh, I think, I mean, this is how accessible cycling is because when you bought this bike, okay, so so my car that I had uh, for eight years, I paid $500 for it. That was the initial price, right? Super cheap. I bought it from a family friend. Great car, lasted me a long time. But I had to pay every month for the insurance and everything else, right? So even though the initial cost of it was really low, you you pay up eventually. Oh, Whereas yeah. with bikes, oh, hundred percent. With bikes, you're you know you you buy the bicycle, and I mean, how much to fix a flat tire, right? Like you go get a new tube, ten bucks maybe, right? Um, it's you know biking is so accessible, so that's even great if you to hear want to get it repaired at a shop. Too. Yeah, it's it's not even expensive. Yeah, absolutely, it's not too bad. I I've never actually. I think I've had a bike repaired in a shop one time, and it was to replace a spoke mm-hmm. on that that mountain bike, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think it was more than fifty dollars to do that. And that's the thing too is like it's much easier to do your own repairs with a bicycle. It's like so easy. Like I understand not everybody's interested in doing that, or they don't know how, or they don't they're not inclined to learn how to do it, which is totally mm-hmm. fine. It's great that it's cheap, but it is actually super easy to do something as simple as changing the tube on a, on a tire. Like it's, it's very easy, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. How long does that take too? It's like five, 10 minutes to oh, change yeah. your tube. You're done. Yeah. If you know what you're doing fast, yeah. super yeah. fast. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been interesting doing all this stuff and really focusing on it and finding that as much as I love electric scooters and e-bikes and everything, I'm more and more seeing how, just fucking amazing bicycles are like yeah. they're almost perfect and they've been they haven't changed that much in a hundred years like they haven't changed that much it's pretty incredible yeah it is fantastic yeah. um simple they're, machine yeah they're wonderful i mean most efficient way to get pretty much anywhere yeah um yeah thanks for thanks for updating us nick congratulations on the new bike i'm very happy for you um and can't wait uh, to see more bike adventures from nick <laughs> yeah, yeah lots to come and uh ethan ethan has a lot to say he went on quite the excursion this past weekend you want to fill us in so folks um i took a little trip for the day down to phoenix arizona for the opening of the northwest extension part of the valley metro light rail down in phoenix um it's not a huge one but it did create like an actual like bus hub for the end of the line It's a very pretty modern station. It's the first elevated one in the entire system. And it was super exciting. You know, they had all this fanfare out there. Local politicians were there. A lot of people from the community, food trucks at the station, things for the kids. It was very, very exciting. Lots of media there. And it's just what you got to do with, you know, public transit openings and, you know, infrastructure projects. You really got to kind of make it like a good thing for the community and just bring them out there to see like, hey, This is what your tax dollars funded, and now this is something that you can use on the regular. But not only did I go for that, because that was super exciting, and these stations are actually very modern and pretty impressive for light rail stations too, even just the the standard run-of-the-mill station is pretty nice there, but um, I also got to see the lovely neighborhood cul-de-sac up close and in person. You know, the one that everybody references online being that car-free neighborhood, you may have seen it. But I was there in person, and it's, yeah, it kind of does live up to the hype in a lot of ways. Um, It's definitely different than what I personally expected, but it was still a very, very nice community. Um, Maybe a little, in some ways, it might have been a little too, you know, empty at the moment, and maybe a little corporate feeling, but it's still pretty new, and it's not even close to being done. Mm -hmm. But it was still super exciting to get to see these two big urbanist projects that are happening out in an area that's pretty well known for its sprawl. I mean, like you hear Phoenix, Arizona, and you just immediately default to, Oh yeah. Car. Mm-hmm. Mega strodes. <laughs> Mega Highways, strodes. Yeah. I mean, that's like the home of the strode down there, Definitely. but like they're deaf. They're doing like, I was surprised to find out how much they're actually doing to like kind of distance themselves from that in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, uh, there was a video that came out a few days ago 
of the it was it was talking about the the extension and this this youtuber i'm trying to find it but i can't i can't find it if i can find it i'll put it in the show notes later but they uh they went to the the extension and uh, the whole time i was looking for ethan in the video seeing if i could (laughs) see you there too but uh it was packed there were tons of tons of people excited to ride the train uh, just, you know, just excited about this extension. And so I think even in those places where we might think that people aren't as excited about it, people are excited about it. People love trains. People love new, big, clean and cool transit projects. <laughs> You'd be very surprised how much the people of Phoenix actually really appreciate their system. Yeah. It only opened up originally in 2008. But like you can talk to people who were there for the opening who aren't even that old and they're like oh yeah i was waiting like 30 minutes to an hour just to Mm. get on the light rail when it first opened yeah so there's definitely hype behind the system and it's been it's been one of those systems that's been constantly expanding over and over the years it hasn't been like giant projects but it's mostly been like two miles here Mm -hmm. two miles here a mile and a half here three miles here but it's also about to get its second line in the system and it's actually super exciting to see oh and in a lot of ways, um, just kind of like it somewhat kind of relates to like Calgary's light rail mm-hmm. in kind of a sense because it runs through a lot of the major job centers in Phoenix. Mm. And if you were to kind of do like reorganize Valley Metro's bus network to be more oriented on feeder buses to the light rail, you could probably see somewhere close to the ridership that Calgary gets for its light rail system. Yeah. Because – a lot of people don't like to think about it, but buses are super important for rail. Huge. Absolutely. Hugely important. They make the connections for sure. But I have a very important question. Did you get a plushie? I did not from Valley Metro, <laughs> but I got a tote bag and I got a poster. Nice. nice. Okay. Post, poster <laughs> that makes counts for it. something. Yeah. And also I got a ticket. One of their older ones. They're planning on phasing these bad boys out, but yeah. Ah, they, so it's going to be vintage yeah. very soon. Collector's yeah. item. I mean, it already looks very vintage, <laughs> yeah. but you know. Yeah. <laughs> It looks like it's from the 90s, and yet it's from like 2008. (laughs) Yeah. I want to go back to something you said about uh, about this, um, about how the about how they've done small extensions, how they just kind of do a couple stations at a time. And I think that's how we should build transit. Right. Absolutely. We don't we shouldn't be just saying like, you know what, we're going to slap down a new a new rail here. Obviously, right now in the situation where we're at, where we're behind on where our rail should be, that's what we have to do. Right. But in an ideal situation, we say, hey, you know what, we are expanding this development. So uh, we're just going to build one more station. Just make it part of the infrastructure. Right. The same way that when you're going from one neighborhood to the next, you're not saying, wow, look at these brand new fancy roads we're on, right? It's not like a brand new spanking road. It's just the road that came after that road, right? This this road's one year newer than the last road I was just on. And that's how it yeah. should be with transit as well. We should just be constantly expanding it to the new areas where there's growth. So, And I'm hoping yeah. Phoenix can kind of keep up on that because they do have a lot of um, future plans too that are in the works at the moment. They have a line that's supposed to end, open up at the end of the year this year. Um, it's called the South Central Extension. That's going to be a five-mile long line. And then they also have the I-10 West line that they're looking at opening. I think that's going to be in like 2030, though. Hmm. But it's still super exciting to see this. And then they also have some BRT and rapid bus projects. But, I mean, all they have to do at this point is really kind of address the, um, the zoning in the area in a lot of places. But if there's one... One real shining star in the Phoenix metro area, it's Tempe. Hmm. Tempe, Arizona is a surprisingly very modern urbanist city in the middle of Arizona. It's not perfect by any standards, but it's definitely an area that I could see someone existing car-free and if not car light. And that's Mm -hmm. where cul-de-sac is. And yeah, it has the streetcar. It has light rail. It has the local buses and it, yeah, it's just generally, it's an exciting, at least Tempe is a very exciting city. Phoenix and just the Valley in general, not the most urbanist place in the world, but they are working on it. And I think that's something people need to understand is that you're not going to fix everything immediately. Yeah. But if you have that momentum going, then you're going to improve your community. And I mean, this has all been done since 2008. Before that, Phoenix didn't have any rail transit. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I I recently watched uh, some videos from John of Active Towns, and he was in mm-hmm. cul-de-sac recently as well. And I didn't watch the whole, this one particular video, I think he just released recently, but he, he had biked from Phoenix airport, just like out from the airport. I got to look more into this, but he actually has a playlist of airports that he's, he's biked to or from, which I think is fantastic. But even more importantly, I think is having good transit from, from airports. Like there's mm-hmm. so many airports in North America where you, you basically have to drive. You have to take a taxi, you have to drive and park there and, and spend insane amounts of money. Like, yeah. So here's, oh, 100%. it's crazy. Like here's an example. So there's a, an airport out, outside of Abbotsford. So Abbotsford Air, airport, not far from Vancouver. It's about an hour drive. And it's an airport that a lot of people will go to one that I used to go to, to fly budget airlines because, mm-hmm. oh yeah, look at this cheap flight, cheap. $200 to Ontario. Like that's great. But then at the end of it, you get home after your trip, you get, you get back and you're like, how much money did I spend? You're like, I spent two hours in the car, at least, at least driving that's gas and time that I had to park my car, which was probably for a week. I don't know, you know, 80 to a hundred dollars, like that stuff all adds up and it. I, I just can't do it anymore. I'm like, I'm going to get on the sky train. It's going to take me right to the terminal in Vancouver, the Vancouver airport, right to the terminal mm-hmm. and it's super easy. I don't have to think about it. I have to come back to a bill when I get back to Vancouver it's fantastic, but it, it just sucks how many airports don't have that accessibility. Yeah. It's just, it, yeah, it's, it's a bummer. Yeah. It's insane. Phoenix is actually one of them that does have accessibility to the airport it, yeah. um, by transit. Yeah. Which is, which awesome. is shocking for a lot of people. They're yeah. like, wait a minute, I can get around Phoenix without a car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not to a crazy amount of places, but you can get a decent amount of places without a car there. I will say, so I have taken transit uh, to and from uh, both the Calgary airport and the Vancouver airport and other airports that I've flown to. But uh, the Calgary airport, it has, a bus, and originally they had like, it was a more expensive ticket if you were taking the bus from the airport. Yeah. Uh, they recently did away with that. Uh, fortunately, they just, it's just another bus ticket. Uh, but then still the Vancouver airport like the wayfinding to the SkyTrain is super convenient and easy. And then mm-hmm. once you once you get there, I found I was there. I didn't plan to be staying in Vancouver. I was originally supposed to have a layover, but uh, but then I wound up having to stay overnight. And I was like, while I'm in Vancouver, I may as well go explore. And I just went and hopped on the train. And this was my first time in Vancouver. I'd never been before. I just went, hopped on the train. I went to downtown, wandered around, checked out Stanley Park, and then I went back to the train and went back to the airport. Super convenient. And it yeah. was it was easy. And so having those great connections and having rail connections, like there's no reason any any major airport should have a rail connection. There's enough it's people moving anywhere. through there. Yeah, yeah, there's enough people moving through <laughs> there that it's like you're you're gonna you're gonna fill the seats. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there are some very interesting rail connections to airports in the U.S. too, mm-hmm. where it's like it's kind of, but not really. Yeah. Like I, the Northeast is really common for this. There's two cities that come to mind: New York City, um, for LaGuardia, you take the rail to a bus station that's kind of close, and then you go in, and then the air trains to uh, JFK and Newark, which are like. They're like ridiculously expensive. They're like six dollars one way just to get to the airport from the subway. Yeah, yeah. You can blame the port authority for that one, but it like it's just crazy. And then there's also Boston too, where it's like you can take the blue line right up to the airport, and then you got to transfer to a bus. Yeah, yeah. Or you can take the silver line. I I think it's like a, a racket. It's got to do with the parking. Like they're making a ton of money on parking. They have yeah. to be. It's yeah, got to be 100%. something something there that's keeping. They're like, you know what? Let's just keep it this way. We're we're making money hand over fist on yeah. parking. Yeah, 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 yeah. As as we wrap up this conversation about cul de sac and transit and Phoenix and stuff, uh, I've got two questions for you, Ethan. First, uh, overrated or underrated? What what would you say? With, with what cul de sac uh, for cul de sac and for the Phoenix light rail. So I'll say the Phoenix light rail is probably, um, I honestly, I'd say it's a little underrated. Hmm. I wouldn't say it's like, I wouldn't say that it's like this great system, but it's definitely going to be pretty damn good in like the next few years. Um, it's 
decently fast. Like, it's not like the fastest system in the world, but it's going to get you places. And it was $5 for all day rides. Hmm. So fairly affordable too. cul-de-sac. I'm going to say properly rated. Um, there were some things that surprised me and then other things that didn't. One thing that really just got to me is just how early on they are in this project. Like I was informed that they're just finishing up phase one. Right. And they have plans to like nearly like build three times the amount of apartments that they do now. Yeah. So like it kind of my biggest critique of it is that at the moment it kind of feels empty. Right. But like you can see everything there and you're like and I was just like, okay, I I understand what they're going with here. Um, It really. Yeah, they're really going for the walkability aspect They're They're really trying to build the like the urbanist hub of Arizona there. And you can just kind of see the car free living aspect there and how they're trying to encourage that more. Um, There is the grocery store on site, though. Very important. I think that just opened up, actually. The problem is, is that it's a little on the pricier side. Mm. But, you know, it's it's the convenience of having it there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I I will I'll say cul-de-sac is kind of properly rated. All right. Yeah, I think we still will have more time to see on it, though. Yeah, just to see how it develops in the future. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to get my invitation to go to cul-de-sac. I'll be eagerly waiting by the mailbox. Uh, <laughs> but uh, well, they're good people. <laughs> well, while I wait for that, uh, we're going to move on to a video uh, Nick has to share with us. Oh, yes. OK, this is something that actually happened a while ago. So. This is uh, from about a year ago, and I know Ethan had said he had seen it quite a while ago, and uh, it's not wanting to load on my my end here. So if somebody else wants to try to yeah, load that up, uh... Is, uh, yeah. So this uh, bus company <clears throat> decided to put their bus drivers in situations so that they could have empathy for other people on the road. It's very interesting. So what they did was they had the bus drivers in a huge parking lot on a stationary bike, kind of like a Peloton, while somebody else in a bus close past them. And you can see the reactions from these guys put in very uncomfortable situations. And this is a situation if you're a a cyclist who goes out on the road very frequently where there's not good separated infrastructure, you would have experienced this at one point or another or very often if you're in a place that has poor cycling infrastructure or, you know, bike gutters, which is a place where this often happens. So yeah, this is something I wanted to bring up because I think it's an opportunity for people to have or to at least gain some empathy. They need to understand what other people on the road are feeling. And I think this is really coming down to what you see in the Netherlands, where even the drivers are cyclists. So everybody understands other people's positions on the road. It's not mm-hmm. this us versus them. Mm-hmm. We're all in this together. We're all try- just trying to get to where we're going safely every day. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I really wish other people would have that understanding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I and I think that's why this is so, like this is something you have to educate people on, right? Like you have to do things like this, like what we showed in order for people to appreciate what's going on with other people. And also like really like people need to understand we're all pedestrians first, right? Like what no matter no matter how much you drive no matter how much you feel like that's your primary mode of transportation your primary mode of transportation is your feet that that's it and so when uh when we see sidewalks you know uh, alongside roads right now in calgary we've got a big chinook rolling through so it's nice and warm and all the snow that we've gotten over the past few months is melting and it's creating these big puddles right and so we see cars splashing up onto the sidewalks and most drivers, I will say most drivers mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. pretty considerate about this. I was out mm-hmm. walking yesterday uh, and, and most drivers made sure they took the, the wide way around. If they couldn't move over to a completely different lane, they were at least moved all the way over to the left side of the lane, right? So that they were avoiding these puddles. But you know, it only takes one driver to splash you to, to ruin your day, right? <laughs> You're soaked, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> you know, and that's 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 the that's the bottom line is that is that it, it's not that most people need to be considerate; it's that everybody needs to be considerate. Everybody needs to realize, yeah. like, oh, hey, we're all trying to get around, no matter what mode of transportation you are using bus, bike, car, uh, your own feet. We're all just trying to get where we're going. Yeah, 
And yeah, it's like you often say, like it, it could just be a few people, but most people, most people are just considerate people, even drivers. Like we can complain about drivers on here and I can have rants about drivers and idling and everything. But like, yeah, most people I encounter on the road, no matter what mode they're on, it's pleasant. Like every time a driver gives me the right away when it, I deserve it and I should have it, I wave and I mouth, thank you. Like just trying to be friendly because these people are my neighbors. doesn't matter yeah. that they're in our car or not. Like yeah. we're all just neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ethan, you got Of course, thoughts? you also have... You also have to correct them when they do wrong. Yeah. How, how do we do that? That's that's the hard part, though. How yeah. do you address that? I'm really. Tr- it's simple. You carry the cross, the cross rock. So <laughs> at least in the desert, it's very simple. Everything out here, they like to use rocks, you know, for like instead of grass. So yeah. I just simply when I'm at an intersection for my safety, I will pick one up. And when I'm crossing <laughs> an eight lane strode in Vegas, I'll just hold it in my hand. Just wave it around. You know, crossing, you know, just just letting people know that I have a rock <laughs> and that I could mildly inconvenience their day if they try to, you know, I don't know, mildly inconvenience my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's They're, one way to put uh, it. Have Have you guys seen the show Afterlife on uh, Netflix? No. I've heard of yeah, it. Yeah, it's a good show. Ricker Gervais, I think it's like two or I think it's two seasons, um, but there is a scene where he's crossing the street and he's holding a brick or no, no, he wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't holding a brick in his hand. He was holding like a flower pot. He was bringing like a, a potted plant to somebody or something. And then somebody like a driver drove right in front of him. And so then he takes it and he threw it in their back window. And this plant, like he was going to use this plant for something, but he just threw it in their back window and uh, and then just walked on. He just he just left. And then um, and then the the next time he was crossing the street, he was holding a brick, and he noted like. And then the same driver just like stopped and let him cross. <laughs> um, we're not saying don't do don't don't be violent out there. Don't you don't know. be violent. Yeah. I hold the rock for good luck. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, for good luck. Totally. Um, but but do be considerate. And so I think what this uh, what this transportation company did fantastic way to educate people on what it feels like mm-hmm. uh, to be on on the receiving end. Yeah. And I think I wanted to make a note there about how the best way to react in those situations, like if you're close past or, or whatever, some kind of situation that you feel like you've nearly been harmed or you actually nearly been harmed or you've been scared. And this is something I've struggled with is not having a little freak out, like a minor freak mm-hmm. out yelling at a, a driver I've done many times, like been close past or whatever, almost hit and yelled. It's just, it doesn't get anywhere. And that's the mm-hmm. reaction, you know, the hormones come flowing out of you and it's hard to control that, but that is definitely not the best way to go about it. There is a, uh, there's a great video. I'll need to pull it up on the next show, but it's this one guy who's crossing the street in Philly and this car is like pulled up into the actual intersection and he gives, you know, a little tap on the hood to the driver and the driver's like, what's your problem? Like all angry. And he's just like, I'm just telling you, you need to not pull up into the yeah. crosswalk. Yeah. You know, and he's like being fully calm. And he's like, I know that no one's ever told you this in your life, but you don't need to be entitled and pull up into the crosswalk. I see. I watched this <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. a little while ago. I remember saying that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's just be calm. Yeah. And if someone's scared to you, they close past you. If you have a chance to say, hey, man, you scared the crap out of me. Could you just mind not? Just like giving us more space, I'd really appreciate yeah. it. Just like being super, because as soon as the you trip works better, yeah, as soon as you get angry and start yelling, it's just going to be defensive, and that can lead to yeah. much worse things, like maybe actually being run over if they yeah. are having a particularly bad day. Because that happens. Yeah. Like we had a yeah. story on here a few weeks ago, and you talked about a road rage incident, right? So those things can happen, especially if you live somewhere where guns are very. Very common. That's another reason maybe not hmm, to I start. wonder who lives in one of those <laughs> places. Yeah. People. Yeah. 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 No, I, I I think that's great. And I think we're going to continue this conversation a little bit later on, uh, especially the education mm-hmm. aspect of it. Uh, we've got some listener mail that we'll get to in a bit here. Um, but for now, uh, Ethan's got another story to share with us, which is, um, it's upsetting. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's like a this is this will be like a hybrid story slash woodmug you guys know. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of buses, like our bus drivers, we were talking about. Um, have you guys heard of a little city called Indianapolis, Indiana? Oh yes, heard I've it. heard it's got some good cycling infrastructure. <laughs> Interesting. I actually didn't know that. Um, but 
Indianapolis has actually been doing a really cool thing where they've been building out bus rapid transit. And it's like, it's not like the crappy bus rapid transit, you know, it's not been affected by BRT creep in any way, but it's, it's actually like good. It's got signal priority. It's got really nice stations, dedicated bus lanes most of the way. It's a solid bus, bus rapid transit route with good frequency and good sta uh, station stop or station spacing. Like it's actually like a legitimately good system. Now, the local um, GOP in Indiana is not exactly the biggest fan of transit systems. In fact, in 2014, they banned light rail in Indianapolis. And now we have a wonderful new bill proposed by the Indiana Senate. Basically, it's called it's Senate Bill 52, and it essentially would ban bus lanes. Banning dedicated lanes, not just not just mixed use. It would only it would not just ban bus lanes, dedicated lanes. So I have one question. How much money is this guy getting from the, the car industry? Like he's got to be the guy paid. who wrote the bill. His name's Senator Freeman. I, I think his name is Senator Aaron Freeman. If hmm. I'm trying to remember his first name, his last name's Freeman. But um yeah, uh, there's no way this guy is not deep in the auto lobby because they're really trying to, like, absolutely shut down Indigo BRT. And it's a solid project, too. The reason why they're really proposing SB 52 right now is because they're working on the second section or the second line in the BRT network that would go right by the Indiana State Capitol. And the thing is, is that it wouldn't ban it in, like, <clears throat> other parts of Indiana. Right. Just Indianapolis. Which is so strange in particular, you know, like I, they just don't want it by the state capital. I don't, I don't know. They're, you know, um, can you give us a little bit of background on the banning of light rail in Indianapolis? Cause that's, I mean, so, that's wild. Yeah. So I believe Indigo was looking into building a BRT network late in like the late 2000s, early 2010s. And they really, they really were committed to building like an actual light rail let network for Indianapolis. There's actually a lot of real like pro public transit sentiment in the Midwest, like mm -hmm. the Rust Belt. Indiana's probably the one area that kind of lags behind in it compared to the other states. But yeah, I mean, the Indiana GOP really just came out there and said, yeah, we don't want light rail. And they essentially just, yeah, they just didn't want to spend public funds on it and they got it banned. So the state cannot set up or support any light rail systems in the state legally if it was to be legally if it was to be privately funded and run on entirely private land then it would be illegal but the state specifically indianapolis cannot build light rail within the city limits that's so bananas it's insane. It's literally like the most insane like anti-transit laws out there. Yeah. And this this isn't like Alabama or anything. This is Indiana. This is right next to Chicago. Right. Like this isn't I mean obviously it's like it's a very rural Midwestern state but like it's still very insane how like because it's not like it's not like Wyoming where no one lives there. Like there's a few million people who live in the Indianapolis area alone. Right. It's it's insane seeing a metro area like this be literally so hamstrung that they're not even being allowed to build light rail. And maybe if SB 52 passes, which I hope to God it doesn't for the sake of Indianapolis, the banning of bus lanes. And this not only is bad just for Indiana, but this sets a horrible precedent for everywhere else. Yeah, that's really that's really, really like really weird. Um, would the city be able to build it? Just without no, state this, funding? I don't believe the city would be allowed to build it because then they'd be um, messing with uh, the traffic lanes. And since a lot of it does run – a lot of it's planned to be run, I believe, on state highways. So it would be the state DOT managing that. Right. Oh, boy. So this is coming from the state, the Senate. Yes. Yeah. The state Senate at the moment. That's so weird. It's, it's the thing – that really sucks. Like all this stuff is obviously going to be political, no matter what you're doing with your city or your state or your province, it's always going to be political, but it's just, it can be really frustrating when the people who are the experts on this stuff don't have a say other than voting for like anybody else does voting for, you know, like the, the engineers, the traffic engineers, the city planners, 
they ultimately doesn't, it's not up to them. They can have the best yeah. ideas in the world that's kind of completely transform the city and make the city better for everybody. But oh. at, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. So it, it's up to these people who are going to say, no, no dedicated bus lanes for you. It's going to fix traffic, but you one, know what? No, it's just ridiculous. One more thing on this. Um, so basically the Indiana GOP decided to collect a bunch of signatures from local businesses in the area where the blue line is going to be built Basically proposing to them, hey guys, guess what? They're going to build the BRT right through here. Don't you want some sort of extra review done to it to make sure that it's built right and, you know, doesn't affect your business? And a lot of the businesses were like, yeah, sure, that sounds reasonable to me, you know? But then they realized that they signed an endorsement to SB52 and they had been lied to. Wow. And now a lot of them are revoking their support of SB 52. They were like, hey, yeah, we know we signed that, but uh, we did not see the whole bill in its entirety. Yeah, they they wanted a review. They wanted to, you know, make sure that their business was going to be OK with these changes, not to say, hey, don't do these changes at all. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 insane. Like, I can't believe like. Well, actually, I can believe that the GOP would do this, but, you know, it, it's just it's insane that it's gotten this far. Like, yeah, this should not be happening. That's would wild. This, would this be one of the worst blunders when it comes to urbanism, like against urbanism when it comes to politics in a while? Because I think one of the worst I can think of is the sleight of hand that happened to Chicago with their parking back in whatever that was, 2009 mm. or something. This, this could be infinitely worse than that. I mean, that was that's bad. That's still very bad. And it's going to be affecting Chicago for decades. But this could be right up there. I think the difference is, is that Chicago's a bigger city, but the good thing is that I don't think I hope to God no other city decides to fall into the Chicago parking, you know, deal where they basically privatized parking for the next I think what is 75. it? Like 80, yeah, <laughs> 75 years. The thing is is that if you privatize like or I mean if you ban bus lanes, like you have to go back into legislation to fix that, which can take years mm -hmm. because Light rail still hasn't been unbanned in Indianapolis yet, even though there's been momentum to unban it. But then you have to go in and fix it legislatively, and then you have to redraft your whole proposal for the bus rapid transit network. Because then you have to get your lanes built in again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you've eternally screwed over transit in the city for years, maybe even decades. This is, of course, unless Indiana wants to go out and build a heavy rail metro throughout the city, because then that would be... I, I always make this joke where I'm like they banned light rail to build heavy rail metros throughout Indianapolis <laughs> yeah. and that they're actually they're actually doing praxis by doing this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, I like that idea. They're but just tying it's, their hands. it's it's just really it's so like it's just so tiring and I can't imagine how bad it is for Indiana urbanists, at least down in Indianapolis, because Northwest Indiana's actually been getting a lot of like improvements while Indianapolis is just it's yeah, it's getting destroyed by its own government. It's so sad. Um, so yeah, if you keep up the fight, you can yeah. actually prevent SB 52 from getting signed. There's a whole bunch of petitions, signatures, stuff like that. We'll leave them in a description down below on YouTube, um, Spotify listeners, anywhere else where you're listening. Um, if you just look up like SB 52, there's a whole bunch of Indianapolis SB 52. There's a whole bunch of different links to organizations opposing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks for, thanks for bringing this up, Ethan. This is something that people can do something about. Um, and it, it sucks if this goes through, that's a big step, a huge step backwards. Um, that's like a leap backwards. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully people in the area can, um, do, do something to prevent that. Uh, we're going to move on to some listener mail. Uh, do you guys mind if I uh, if I read this one? Read this read one away, out? please. Read After it. last week, you should definitely try to beat us on our reading comprehension. It wasn't, it wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll read this email from our friend Aaron. Uh, he says... Love your podcast. I've binged every episode, all eight. You mentioned how we should have transit education in our schools. I agree. Our local transit authority puts on week-long classes in the summer to encourage kids to get the knowledge on how to walk, bike, and ride transit. They also have a 7th grade bus program that aims to show kids how to get on the bus. This cl That class is free across the district. 
all kids 18 and under can ride transit for free in our city. And I believe this is in, um, let me just double check. This is in Washington or Watcom. I don't know if that's the town that's name. The, or the, it's near the city? Bellingham. It's Bell- all that okay. kind of area in, in Washington. Okay, gotcha. Both mm. both my kids did the transit class and loved it. My son rides the bus multiple times a week to get to and from school now. Thanks for producing your podcast. You seem to have great chemistry and make an enjoyable listen. Aaron. I uh, hate to disappoint Aaron. Uh, we actually hate each other. And before and after the show, we don't speak. Uh, we show up here and put on put on a good face, I guess. Uh, <laughs> don't spoil it for them, Alex. <laughs> for, hey, do it for know, the children. Just, Smile. Come on. Yeah, yeah. It's just a peek behind the curtain, okay? Uh, some behind the scenes for you folks there. Anyways, yeah, I actually, I think this is fantastic uh, that this is this is being done um, in in Washington State. Um, and I, I hope that more places do things like that because it's a no-brainer, right? Like we teach, like what we were talking about last week, we teach people how to drive, we should teach them how to use transit, how to bike, how to walk safely, you know, all of uh, all of these things. Though I think uh, walking safely needs few directions if you just create decent neighborhoods, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's what it, I was thinking. I'm like, a lot of these things should just be inherent to the environment. It should be inherently safe and it should just come to you naturally how to use it safely. Yeah. But this is, this is really cool. Like I never thought of this, like a, a, a bus program to teach kids how to use transit because a lot of people are scared. And I think that gives the parents that ease of mind and feel more comfortable with their kids going off by themselves and using transit. Cause that's yeah. a big fear for a lot of people. Like yeah. I think we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, what happened here in Vancouver? I can't rem- remember the name of the fella who. Well, basically, there was like he was going to have his kids taken away from him uh, from child services because he let his kids take the bus by mm-hmm. themselves in Vancouver, and he he fought and he won. So we would be far away from that situation, but when we actually teach kids on how to use it safely, which is it's it's fantastic, it's amazing. And yeah. I'm glad that uh, Aaron yeah, here, his very kids exciting. are using the the bus multiple times a week to get to school. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard, right? And it's also a lot safer than a lot of people would have you believe. Um, using transit, I mean, there's the driver there. You have to have a ticket to get on, right? There's cameras, right? They know, like, it's not it's not like you're being sucked into a portal and who knows where you are between then and your destination, right? There's just way too much fear-mongering when it comes to transit. Yeah. And it's yep. it's tiring. Yep. It's, it's so tired. Yeah. I, I had written this down. A few months ago, so last year, late last year, there was a lot of violence in Toronto on transit. And when I say a lot, there was like three different instances that became high profile cases in the news in Toronto on transit. Somebody got stabbed or whatever. And most of the time, same thing in here in Vancouver, there was one stabbing last year that I remember seeing. It's often like like targeted violence. It's some kind of gang violence or something. It's rarely is it a random attack, mm-hmm. and it's something that that always gets ignored. Is like the violence that happens on our streets with, with cars. How many people die every year because of cars, inside of cars, outside every of cars, day. every yeah. day? Was it like over yeah. 40,000 a year in the United States? And it's just this drip, drip that happens every, every couple of days. And that's not targeted. No, exactly. That's not no. like, like that's just, that's just what happens. And we seem to just accept it. We seem yeah. to just be okay with it. it. Does, yeah, it's just acceptable losses, guys. You know, yeah. we don't have to worry about that. But God forbid someone gets into a fist fight on a train at two in the morning. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. have to be Now transit's all way. unsafe. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have to be like this. We have other options, safer options. Yeah. And transit is one of those. Yeah. I, I will say I have felt unsafe on transit one time. One, one time ever. Um, and that was when, uh, I was, I was the only person on the train car and, uh, it was, it was like 1130, 12 at night. And I was sitting there on my way home from work and somebody, somebody else gets on the train and he was super high on all sorts of stuff probably. And he gets on the train and he's acting weird and I'm feeling real uncomfortable. And he says to me, he's like, I don't want your stuff, man. I don't want your stuff. And then he walked away and then I was like. (laughs) <laughs> okay, you know, like, like you can obviously see I was uncomfortable, um, but uh, yeah, that's the like that's the worst experience I've ever had. And then just just 
yeah. to let people know if you do feel unsafe in a train car, you can exit it at the next station. Mm-hmm. Or even if there are cars in between, I mean, if it, it's it's really to an unsafe, you know, standard one follow transit policies and what they recommend. But yeah, yeah, just move. You can move to the front of the train. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. if there's a driver on the train, move to the front of the train. That's where most people hang out uh, when it's uh, when it's late. Um, but yeah, like it really, especially if you're on the bus, like it's really, really not that bad. Um, and you're safer than when you're driving, you know? Oh yeah. 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 So I think it's great that, uh, that they're doing this in Whatcom County. Um, and I also, um, I, I hope that spreads. I also really like that it's free for anybody under 18. Uh, I think, I think that's fantastic because, because that's, that's like, if you don't have a driver's license, are you just going to be trapped? Yes. (laughs) I think in a lot of cases, that's the problem we're seeing. Right. But yeah. And it, which, what's really cool about that too, is in places where they implement free transit for people under a certain age, whatever it is, if it could be 18, 16, 12, doesn't matter. They always see adult ridership go up as soon as they implement that. It's because Mm -hmm. The parents look at it like, well, it's just paying one fare. I don't have to worry about my child going so I can go mm-hmm. with them. And mm-hmm. it's not an added expense, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's great. Um, so thanks for uh, emailing us, Aaron, and uh, and telling us a bit about where you live and the good urbanism stuff happening there, the progress that's happening there, and uh, the programs that uh, that you've got. And hopefully we can implement elsewhere. I've We've got, got, I've a got one comment. question, though. Oh yeah, you've got. A is question. it is it Bellingham or is it Bellingham? I think it's Bellingham. Bellingham. I had it wrong. I think it's Bellingham. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, I find <laughs> following too I, much UK soccer stuff. <laughs> yeah, I feel Bellingham. like in the UK it'd be Bellingham. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe Aaron write right back in, into us. Let us let us know how to say it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, who's got who's got this next comment? Yeah, I, I can read this one, even though I got this cold thing going on. Bear with me. Uh, this is from Hall's Emporium, the legendary Jen Hall, one of our biggest fans, one of the biggest fan of the show, perhaps the biggest, maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but she goes to say, I keep thinking about traveling to places in the world we see celebrated in our favorite urbanism YouTube videos. The Netherlands, Montreal, and New York City are top of my list. Where would you all like to visit that you have not been to yet? Hmm. That's a great question. Who wants to start? Hmm. I'm I, I'm ready to go. I got one on the tip of my I'm tongue. I'm ready to go too. So you okay, already I need time to think. Yeah, you've already named the one that I have not been to yet that I really want to visit, and that's Montreal. I've been wanting to go to Montreal for a very long time. I've been through Montreal uh, as a child. We passed through it a couple times. We always go to the East Coast in the summer on vacation, but I haven't actually been there, and I definitely haven't been there with urbanist lens. So mm-hmm. I've been to many, like I've been to the Netherlands. The last time I was there was like seven years ago, maybe six or seven years ago and had an amazing time. I rode a bike, but I still didn't see it through that urbanist lens. And I'm actually going this summer. So I'm really looking forward to seeing places I've already been to, but with a different perspective, like I did with New York city last summer, which was amazing. So yeah, Montreal is the top of my list for sure. Hmm. Ethan. So top of my list, I'm going to have to put down Mexico City. That is Mm. like it is the biggest city in North America. It is super exciting when it comes to transit and cycling infrastructure. It really has kind of gone, you know, the whole mixed use, dense, walkable urbanism route. And it's really just a very exciting city on the continent that I don't think gets really enough respect in terms of the urbanist talk. Like it, yeah. it gets some, but you know, a lot of the Mexican cities are doing a lot of good mm-hmm. and yet they just, they just haven't seen that recognition. Guadalajara is another great one as well. Monterey, but Mexico city is probably top of my list when it comes to cities that I want to see, because also I want to see, um, trolley bus BRT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You know, that's it, it gets ignored. I think language barrier might be a part of that, but yeah. Yeah. I, I've I've ignored it in my own mind. Like I've recently been more thinking about Mexico as a place to visit. I've never been there in any respect, but actually going there for the for the purpose of seeing the urbanism would be really cool. 
Yeah, I think oh, 100%. we might have to do some radio-free urbanism <laughs> episodes in Mexico. Uh, yes, from Cabo. Here we are. <laughs> Hi, everybody. We're in Cancun yeah. looking at the urbanism of this resort. Oh, my uh, gosh. Cancun. I check just out this golf it with course. An urbanist for yeah. they got neighborhood. Cancun is like the least urbanist. <laughs> That's like Las Vegas level. Look, it, it's walkable. They got neighborhood electric vehicles. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this little this little golf cart will take me around the course um yeah i actually you know what i i'm i'm gonna uh i I, i'm still kind of thinking where where i want to go um so while i do that i'm gonna stall by saying that uh any any latin american place would actually be pretty interesting i have a friend a couple friends who just got back from a huge trip uh, around south america they were there uh for three months and while they were there, they sent me tons of footage of of buses and bus lanes and BRTs and even a lot of cycling, walkable streets. And uh, yeah, I just I, I think that is often inaccessible to us because of the language barrier. Uh, so maybe on this video, on this YouTube video, or if you're listening in a podcast app, you can email us at radiofreeurbanism at gmail.com. But write into us. Let us know uh, if there are any maybe Spanish language uh, urbanist channels or French language urbanist channels. That's been something I've been wanting to mm-hmm. uh, to check out for a little bit. Uh, if there's anything like that, or if this is just like an English speaker's problem uh, that we can't seem <laughs> to design our cities well, um, that it's would the be Anglo fantastic. Issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like we we've got this big problem, but. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see what maybe some other places are are doing. Um, but I, you know what? What's your answer? I might, Come on. I, Come on. Okay, here, here's the thing. <laughs> Part of me wants to say Montreal, but I'm going there in two weeks. So I'm actually like, I'm about to see it. So I'm like, okay, uh, I want to see, uh, see uh, uh, Ulu. Olu, oh yeah, uh, oh, Finland. The Finnish city, yeah, yeah. yeah that's cool. that's that's where I want to go. I want to see what they're doing there, uh, especially from the standpoint of a winter cycling city. Mm-hmm. I think Calgary would have to do winter cycling different than they do it there because we get different weather patterns and different types of snowfall um, than they do. But I think there's just so much to learn from uh, from how they pull that off. I always think back to the. Uh, the the video that Tom from Shifter did uh, with uh, with the Finnish guy um, on uh, on on their bikeability there. So uh, yeah, we'll go with Ulu or Aulu, uh, Finland. That's, However you that's pronounce it, that's cool, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to see. All that right, place. yeah. Thanks for the comment, Jen. Uh, yeah. Again, if you have if you have questions, comments, concerns, if you're wondering about any of our health. Uh, you can you can email in at radiofreeurbanism at gmail.com or leave a comment on the YouTube video. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, you get to see all the cool, uh, interesting stuff uh, that that uh, we might share on the on the screen as well, uh, which is fun. But as we wrap up here, uh, we've got a wug mug, a little what grinds my gears, and uh, I'm I'm bringing that today, and that is cars are loud. Super, super loud. Uh, I was out this past week walking down the street um, and uh, headed to my favorite restaurant around the bend when uh, cars are just driving past. And And it's a pretty, like it's a well-treed street. It's not like a crazy highway. It's not even a strode. It's residential, you know, kind of collector uh, street. And uh, I just noticed how brutally loud it was my sister and I had uh, our other sister on speakerphone and we were trying to have a nice conversation and when you're on like a nice walkable quiet street you realize like just how pleasant everything is when you don't have cars flying by you uh yesterday I was walking to choir or two days ago I was walking to choir and um I had my earbuds in and I had every time I got close to a busy road, I had to turn the volume all the way up because I couldn't hear it. And I just think I'm like, I want to listen to this, uh, but I got to turn the volume all the way up. That's bad for my ears, right? Um, but even even if I wasn't listening to music or podcasts or whatever, uh, just the sound of the cars is bad for my ears. You don't need that competition. Uh, and so I, I think that's something that we don't talk about enough. 
and uh, I wanted to bring that up as something that really uh, grinds my gears. <laughs> I like I like the way you brought it too. You're not getting all crazy like I do. But yeah, yes, it, this is yeah. it's something <laughs> that annoys me <laughs> as well. It's something that I think about often because as much as, hey, I live in a very walkable place, Vancouver is still dominated by cars. Over mm -hmm. 50% of the motor share is still cars. There's a lot of cars here. Not only that, there's a lot of people with money and what comes with money in cars usually is a bigger car and it just happens to be much louder. If you want to know what the quintessential car in Vancouver is, it might just be the G-Wagon or mm. a Land Rover or yeah. a Porsche, the big yeah. SUVs. What do they all have in common? A V8 engine. And what yeah. does a V8 engine do? It makes a lot of noise. They're loud. Yeah. And a lot of people think, oh, the, it'd be the sound of supercars. I also hear those from a on occasion, but the sound I always recognize outside my window is the sound of a roaring V8 engine blasting through this intersection that's near my place. And it's just so loud. But again, I think the mo more importantly than just being in your own home and hearing, hearing sound is being out on the street and trying to just walk around and talk to people. And again, listening to things in your earphones, it, it just sucks how, how loud it can be. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I um, yeah, I've lived in both the lands of modifying the shit out of your car and truck. And I mean, I I lived in Florida, so, you know, I'm pretty, pretty well aware of the most annoying sound in the world, which is a lifted pickup without any, you know, that's basically just tuned to sound way louder than it actually is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even even when I was living in Florida, I lived in a semi-walkable neighborhood, um, definitely narrow streets. Um, I think the widest street in the city was only like two lanes other than like the state highway that kind of ran right by it. But I mean, you'd still get people flying down at 40 miles an hour in, you know, like a lifted F-150 and it has the most annoying like 120 decibel engine sound on this earth and it's not even going fast. Mm -hmm. You know, like I thought like the appeal of cars were that they go fast when they make loud noises, not that they're like dragging slow as hell, making all this noise. It's like, what's the point? Like, I I just don't get it. But even even normal cars are still loud. Yeah. Once they get up to speed, the yeah. tire noise from roads is yeah. just. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that a lot of people don't realize, too, is that this has health effects like this will spike your cortisol in your blood. You will feel stressed from loud noises, even if you don't feel stressed from it. Mm -hmm. And that does have health impacts over time. Yeah. Yeah. I've had arguments about this topic with people like somebody, I remember seeing some video online and somebody was honking a lot. Just, just, ang you know, you hear all the time, somebody's angry, anger honking at somebody on the streets. It happens every day, all the time. And somebody had brought up the health effects and this other person like vehemently just completely shut it down. It's like, no, like this is not a thing. It's like how, like the data is in, this isn't like a debate. Sound affects people's health. Like yeah. we know that sleep is incredibly important. It's very complicated, but not getting enough of it is going to be bad for your health. And yeah. noise is definitely a problem with that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, we, it's something we have to take into consideration. I think it overlays the whole problem with car dependency. And again, it's like we talked about last week when I went off about idling is that this is something, an externality that is imposed on society by people who are driving cars that they are less inclined to have to deal with that. So if I'm riding my bike or I'm yep. walking or whatever on the streets, I'm imposed to that noise when someone in the car increasingly is more shielded from the noise that they're creating. Yeah, they have noise mm -hmm. canceling. Yeah. They have Bose noise canceling yeah. systems in cars mm -hmm. to make it a more pleasant ride. But everybody outside still has to deal with that. Yeah. And as cars get heavier yep. with EVs and they get bigger and heavier, it gets even louder, especially when it's wet and rainy, bigger tires, heavier cars make a ton yep. of noise, including EVs. A lot of people say they're silent. They are absolutely not silent. Most road noise comes from the tires. Exactly. Yep. As soon as you go. Most people don't know that. They think it's engine noise. No, as soon as you're going it, above 30K, it's it starts to get louder and louder. It's yep. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, and it's been said a million times before that, uh, that car cities aren't loud. Cars are loud, right? You yeah. can, you know, go, go to a busy mall, go to a busy shopping mall and walk around inside and, and just feel, feel how loud you're talking to the person beside you. Just like pay attention to how loud you're talking to the person beside you and then go outside and walk down your nearest strode. 
Just go go outside and walk down your nearest road and then see see how much louder you have to talk. Just to just to have a conversation. It's not it's not about people. It's not about too many people. It's about too many cars. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think too many co- having a lot of people can actually be somewhat calming. Like if you're in a place mm-hmm. where it's you know, there can be a ton of people, but just the sound of people chatting and and just whatever you want to call it, controlling, enjoying themselves is actually pretty pleasant, I think. Yeah. The Jane Jacobs eyes on the street spells are going ding, 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 ding. ding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That, that's how you make uh, pleasant spaces. Um, but alas, thank you. Uh, thanks. Thanks, guys, for your stories, for your thoughts, for your emails. Um, if again, we'll say if you want to write into us, radiofreeurbanism at gmail.com or leave us a YouTube a YouTube comment. We read those YouTube as well. Comment. A YouTube <laughs> comment. Uh, thanks everybody. And uh, with that, Ethan, where can we find you? People, you can find me at Climate and Transit on everything except for Twitter. That is just at Climate Transit. And I just had a new video come out on Wednesday about the Northwest Extension in Arizona. Nice. Go watch Nick? it. Oh yeah, you can find me at Nick Laporte or Nick the Door on other socials. Fantastic. And you can find me at Humane Cities on Instagram and YouTube. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And until next week, fare thee well. This show is made possible by listeners like you. For more episodes, find us on your favorite podcatcher or on YouTube at Radio Free Urbanism. Hello but and well. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I'll start. Perfect intro.